It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. I feel like it's been a minute. It hasn't, but it feels like it's been a minute. Maybe because there wasn't a race this past weekend. But welcome back to another episode of Dirty Driving. And as promised on this off week that didn't feel like an off week because of the Vegas launch, because of everything coming out of Brazil, it doesn't feel like it's an off week. But here we are on an off week to deliver the episode that we have promised, kind of a need to know about going to a Grand Prix. This is really important. We felt like it was really important to do this episode before the end of the year and really as sooner rather than later is because ticket sales for some events are starting to happen. We've uh, we've had Vegas. I say that with a hesitation, a slight pitch <laughs> and a freak out in my voice. Don't worry. We're going to talk all about it. But it's really now the time to start planning for next year. And if you haven't thought about it, hopefully this episode will jumpstart those conversations, at least start making a sketch of what maybe you want to attend next year. And we're just, I'm excited to talk about these things because we're going to talk about a little bit about how to pick which Grand Prix you want to attend. We're going to talk about what Grand Prix that you should attend in North America. We're going to give you guys some tips on what you should be packing in your bags, both like your suitcase to go to the weekend and then your bag to take with you to the Grand Prix. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our experience in GA and grandstands. I know we've kind of talked about that previously, so we're just going to touch on that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our plans for next year in case anyone wants to join us. Um, but you yeah, know you want to. You know you want to. Um, super excited to get into it and just talk about all the things because the first one that you go to is the hardest one that you will go to because let's just say this in the nicest way possible. The whole process of buying tickets, getting there, this and that, all the things that go into it could be much easier and it could be uniform across the different races. But alas, here we are. It's not. It's yes, not. the first one is the hardest. I will say that does not discount the fact that the first one will always be so memorable. I will take the memories of Canada with me the rest of my life. It was incredible. It was amazing. We made some mistakes along the way, but hopefully we'll be able to give some advice so you don't make those mistakes along the way. But not like not all of those mistakes were necessarily like bad mistakes. It was just something in the future we were like, let's tweak this, let's do it a little bit differently. And overall, I think the best reminder or heads up about going to an F1 race is it's not just a sporting event. It's this whole festival lifestyle that you're going into. So it's really okay to make the decision to not sit in your seats or to take the extra two hours and walk around or to watch FP1 from a fan zone instead of 
watching it on track. All of those things are very much okay. But when it was your first one or even really our second one, I felt almost guilty missing any bit of on-track action. And it took me until Saturday midday of both weekends we've been to 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 realize that it is in fact okay to miss a session if you are surrounded by F1 fans and just absorbing the atmosphere, the energy, the excitement. So with that, I think it's we we have to just begin this whole conversation with how you know which one to go to. And that could be location, that could be financial, that could be timing, but all of that comes from making some like key decisions early on, aka kind of like now on what you're going to attend for next year. Yeah, I think one of the first things that you've got to figure out, talk to your friends, talk to your sister, talk to your parents, whoever you're going to take with you to the race is deciding how much you're actually willing to spend on a weekend. So we all know that F1 itself is expensive. So why wouldn't it not be expensive to go and attend it? Um, However, It's very intriguing how different the price ranges per each weekend can be depending on which location you want to go. So the whole weekend could cost between $500 and $1,000, but it could also be upwards of $10,000 or more. So it's all about what you're comfortable spending and what you're comfortable with that's in your budget. But I would say... With like combing through all of the tickets that are currently available, all the tickets that were available, you know, last year, um, there is variations for everything. It also depends on, you know, like Megan said, how far you have to travel. So we kind of put together, I think it's eight different points of things you have to think about when you start thinking about going to a race as well. So the first one is... How many days are you going to go? In Canada, we were there. We flew in Thursday late, and then we spent Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the track. So we didn't necessarily have a lot of time to explore Montreal, which I think we had decided, you know, we wanted to spend more time in the city. The one night we were there was a little rainy, so we missed out. So it's really, do you want that extra day to explore the city and attend the special F1 events that are happening all over the city. I definitely say give yourself the day. We had the day in Austin. It was fun to be there. I would even say if you can, if your job is able or you're able to take the time, take two days, especially if you're changing time zones. So we haven't changed time zones for a race, but if and when we do go to Silverstone, I will be there many days ahead of time and many days after to A, enjoy, but also reacclimate to the time zone. Jet lag sometimes affects people other like a lot worse than others. And that's just something to kind of take into factor, especially because it's not like you're going to the track for 30 minutes a day. It is a full experience. Katie said it right. The second thing in arguably other than how many days you want to be there is the cost of how much you are willing to spend. 
And this is, I think the first one she was talking about was tickets and actually procuring how much you want to spend on procuring your tickets. This one is how much do we want to spend during the day there? Some tracks are more expensive than others. Some areas inside the tracks are more expensive than others, but you can kind of make it work so you can do it on the cheaper end if you want to, or you can do it on like the more expensive end if you are able to. I always say bring a snack though. We brought snacks and it just saves you. If you if you don't want a full meal, if you don't want the $8 popcorn, the the $10 whatever, the $15 chicken strips, having just like a bag of goldfish is great <laughs> to get you through um, the break. But that also factors into how much alcohol do you want to purchase? How many waters do you need to purchase? Katie and I have a reusable water bottle that collapses down so it's easy to get in and get out. But all of those kind of how much are you willing to spend needs to be planned ahead of time so that you know what you need to pack, like packing that reusable water bottle, packing those snacks, or planning time to hit a grocery store when you get to your destination. Yeah, one thing that Megan and I did, which we highly recommend, is we stopped at Trader Joe's on the way to Austin. So we had snacks in the hotel room for when the day was over, um, you know, before we went to our dinner reservation. So don't just think about snacks for on track, but think about snacks in the hotel room as well. Another point to think about is the racing itself. So obviously there are numerous, numerous tracks. There's 24 plus to choose from depending on what year it is and some tracks offer better racing than others um the next point kind of folds into this one so I, i'll pair them together but weather is a big thing to think about um our lovely friends got rained out in spa um and so you've got to kind of prepare yourself knowing if it's a track that always faces weather delays or rain delays, whatever it might be. And then some tracks in general just are better for overtaking. I think I would eventually love to go to Monaco and enjoy that race, preferably from a yacht in the bay. But Oh, yeah, let's just find a billionaire. Yeah, don't worry. I'm I'm working on it. so it, it just depends too, you know, you might have your favorite track that you really want to go to that might be a little bit too expensive for you. So come up with a couple options, a couple top picks, and then watch a few of the old races. See if you enjoy the entertainment that you're getting from that track itself. Exactly. Then I think kind of the next one's all kind of fold in. This is pre-planning, planning your travel. How are you going to get there? Planning your tickets, planning whether or not you're going to have seats or not and hotel and transportation. That is something that you should probably plan sooner rather than later, or at least have a rough sketch, know a couple of hotels or Airbnbs, figure out your flight sooner rather than later. Katie and I had screwed that one up in Austin. We were late on finding a hotel and at some point it just becomes really expensive to book rooms. And so the earlier you plan, the better. Realistically, you know that the hotels are already going to be more expensive that weekend. I will say 
neither of our hotels for either event we've been to this year were particularly glamorous, which was okay because we went to the hotel room, we changed and we passed out. There wasn't a lot of hanging out in the room because we spent the majority of our time on the track or out about. Next up is, and this one, doing this step will help inform all of your previous decisions is doing your research. So find helpful websites. We used F1Destinations.com a lot. Um, we also talked to people who have been to races. We've also asked questions. You know, some people have reached out to us after Canada about how to do Canada next year. Some people have just reached out to us about how to do CODA next year. Find people who've been to races and get their like tips and hacks. It doesn't necessarily have to be the track that you're going to, but any little piece of advice outside of what we're advice we're giving you now is helpful in informing how to do things and to avoid the mistakes that plenty of others have done before you. Like, I would make sure that you wear a dress that, if it is windy, isn't an issue. I learned my lesson <laughs> in Montreal. Or do that cool thing where you put, like, weights in the bottom of your dress ahead of time. Again, do your research on what the experience is going to be like. Clearly, I am not the person to ask about preparing for the weather, considering I didn't bring a rain jacket to Canada, and I didn't bring a dress that wasn't going to fly up. Oops. Oops. <laughs> we've all, we've learned our lessons. Okay. Now let's talk about the trickiest part of going to a Grand Prix and that's actually purchasing your tickets. So it is the trickiest thing to do because each race organizer or each race itself, each Grand Prix handles their own tickets via the circuit's website or via a third-party ticket set sales person sales site I guess not person so for example Austin I bought the tickets through the circuit of the Americas website for Canada Montreal we purchased them through f1tickets.com so two very different processes processes for Canada we were just able to buy our GA tickets when they became available there was no need to put a deposit down for CODA, about eight months before the tickets went on sale, we put a deposit down. The deposit was $500, which goes towards your purchase of the ticket. So you don't lose that money. It is non-refundable, though. I will point that out. Most of the deposits that you put down are non-refundable. So you should buy a ticket no matter what. And even if you're not going to the race, buy the ticket and sell it. Don't waste your deposit money. At least get it back by full sending it into the tickets. And if anyone has any tickets they need to get rid of, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please let us know. One thing I do want to note about F1Tickets.com, that is probably your ultimate resource for tickets. Um, it's because it shows you, it will list all the races, and it shows you which tickets have gone on sale. And it'll link to where you can purchase them if you're purchasing them on another website or you can buy them directly through F1 Tickets. And in addition, it also allows you to put your email in and get the email notification once the tickets go on sale for a particular race. So if you haven't ever looked or if you haven't looked in a while, go ahead and head to F1Tickets.com. I would say there's about 
10, 12 maybe races that have tickets available right now. Um, and it will also give you good pricing estimates. So this is a great kind of fact check if you are purchasing your tickets through another site. This is a great place to go and see if, you know, you're getting robbed or if you're paying a good price for these tickets. So great example, Monaco is on sale right now. Grandstands for Sunday only are still available and you can grab a ticket for 850 euros. So I do want to make that note as well as when you're buying tickets, you can buy single day tickets. So if you're maybe not interested in going to Friday or Saturday, or if it's not in the t- not in the budget, then go to Saturday. Just go to Sunday. Pick the day that you really want to see and make it work. I've never used F1Destinations.com, but they partner, or I've used that site, but I've never used the, tic- the site that they partner with, which is Grand Prix Tickets, or GPT for short. On their website, they actually do, I think, a slightly better job than F1 tickets listing out the prices for everything. So again, another great spot to go f- fact check ticket prices to see if, again, you're getting robbed or if you're, you know, paying reasonable amounts for your ticket. So you put the deposit down. If a deposit is required, then you'll get the email saying that it's time to purchase the tickets and you better mad dash because by the time that Megan and I logged on to Pi buy our Coda tickets. Most of the seats, most of the grandstands were gone. So keep an eye on your email, keep an eye on the release dates, keep an eye on everything and make sure that you're just paying attention. And then if you decide to drive to the track, you will also need to purchase a parking ticket, which again, keep an eye on your email, call the track if needed. Coda puts a nice message on their answering machine, letting you know if things have gone on sale, if things have sold out, all the jazz. Our parking was $360 and it was worth every cent we paid to be able to drive, get there when we wanted to, and then leave when we wanted to as well. I will make a note here about parking. So We drove to Austin. We drove to the track. Montreal, we flew to Montreal, and we took the metro because you can't drive to that track. If you are nervous about going to a Grand Prix and dealing with the commute from the city to the track, Montreal, I highly, highly, highly recommend. I think I've told about 100 people now that Montreal was so easy to get to the track so easy to leave the track, so easy to get around the city. So that is a great place to begin, especially because it kind of, there's there's not very many options with getting there. So it the limited options mean that it is very easy to get information on how to do it. I cannot speak for Miami as we weren't there, but that is another place where Traffic is an issue in the United States. Vegas traffic is going to be an issue. Kodo traffic really wasn't an issue. The track is way out in the middle. Yeah, we sat in traffic. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people leaving in thousands of cars. Of course, we sat in some traffic, but nothing that I thought was unbearable. I've sat in worse traffic leaving Bush Stadium. So I would just, again, this goes back to what experience do you want to have and what do you want 
to not deal with. We had plenty of people that we met in Coda that shuttled. That's a longer process. You wait in line, you get on the bus, then you get to your destination, and then you still have to get to wherever you're staying or wherever you're going. Um, we had people do the ride share where you take the shuttle to the ride share lot, then you get a ride out of the ride share lot. Again, not a lot of negativity, at least that I personally heard, but it all begs the question of like, what experience do you want to have? And do you want to spend time driving or do you want to spend time maybe in a city? Again, all questions you can ask yourself. And then I just wanted to make one note about buying flights, purchasing your flight. Make sure you do that early. If you know you're going to Canada next year and you've got the funds, go ahead and book that flight now. Um, Stay away from Air Canada. Stay away from Air Canada. Travel Spirit if you have to. It's it's a quick flight. You don't have to, you know, ball out on a flight to get to where you want to go. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Google Flights. Um, maybe you've used it before, but it pulls data from every airline. But if you're going to look, be ready to purchase in that look because I kid you not, I will go look at a flight and then I won't purchase, and then I'll go look again, and the price is jumped. So be prepared to just book immediately. I feel like we all know that at this age, but just in case you've never booked a flight. You can also look in to see when airlines release their next batch of tickets. Like some airlines, you can only do it six months out. Some are eight months. So just look. Like Again, that's another part that you just need to research and know, like, okay, if the race is the first weekend in May – then flights will be opening the first weekend in December. I should be ready to book early December. Also, if you know you're going to buy tickets, you could – this might not be – some people might think this advice is controversial. I'm tempted to buy our Canada flights before we potentially can buy our Canada tickets. We know the weekend it's going to happen. I can buy the flights the minute they're available and know that we're going to buy at the end of the day, potentially, if it's just GA tickets, we're going doesn't and yes if you wanted grandstands but you got ga are you what are you just not going to go to the grand prix you're still going to go to the grand prix (laughs) so again not everyone might like that advice but whatever do without what you will this podcast is brought to you by racing thread formula one clothing for any occasion Their clothing features subtle, evocative, embroidered designs of your favorite F1 moments. From Ricardo's Monza Shoei to Sebastian's Australian scooter ride. From Lewis's Brazilian comeback to a Carlando round of golf. Whether you're out to dinner with friends, watching the race at home, or cheering in the grandstands. Gone are the embarrassing sponsor logos. Instead, Racing Thread is F1 clothing you're comfortable wearing anywhere. Right now, Dirty Driving listeners can get 15% off Racing Thread's entire range of t-shirts, sweatshirts, and polos using the code DIRTYDRIVING. That's Dirty Driving, all capitals, no spaces, for 15% off their entire clothing range. Head over to RacingThread.com to shop F1 Racewear for anywhere. Speaking of races in the U.S., I know everyone's been waiting for some hot takes about Vegas because last week we had the launch party, 
where we saw Sir Lewis Hamilton, who today was made an honorary, officially made an honorary citizen of Brazil. The ceremony happened today. We had George Russell and we had Checo Perez in Vegas for the launch party. It was spicy. It was spicy. Yeah. So I think it was back in April, end of March, that F1 was like, guess what? We're going back to Vegas. All the drivers, they did that cute video. Daniel Ricardo was the most excited. Let's not talk about that. Sorry, Megan got upset with me just then. But we actually raced in Vegas 40 years ago, back in 1981 and 1982. But this will be the first time that the race will actually take place through the Strip, which is wild. I don't know if you saw this, Megan, but they drove a Red Bull. The car through the Through casino. the casino. I'm like, of all weekends that we could have been in Vegas, why weren't we in Vegas this weekend? I thought about going to the launch party, but truly I was like, I don't love Vegas. Hot take. I don't love Vegas. I only go to Vegas for music festivals, so I don't go to Vegas for Vegas. So as awesome and as excited I was to watch the stuff coming out of the launch party, the fact that I then had to spend time in Vegas not at an F1 event made me cringe a little bit. So oopsies on that. I will say that a lot of the content coming out of it was incredible, but I Mm -hmm. did not, like, why was it Max there? I still can't understand how the world champion was not there. Was he not invited? I think what I've determined, I was, I'm watching Drive to Survive with my intern, um, and we're on season two, and they're doing the showing of, just like they did in Vegas, I can't remember where they were, but it was Max, and I've decided in my head that Max doesn't do these like quote unquote public appearances anymore because I don't think he wants to anymore. So like maybe it's written in his contract that he doesn't have to show face for any of them anymore. But that was like when I saw that he wasn't going to be there, that was like my initial like, oh, it's probably because he doesn't want to do these things anymore. Which pisses me off. Sorry, I'll say it. Thought that was interesting. But nonetheless, we had some hot takes. We had George. Okay, so it was Crofty on stage of Sky Sports. And oh my God, the tea is so hot on this, everyone. I watched this video so many times and I laughed silently in bed, just like to myself hysterically about this for at least a solid 25 minutes. I didn't time it, but it was approximately 25 minutes. So Crofty. George Russell looks at Crofty, who's asking Sky Sports. Remember, Crofty's from Sky Sports, where Red Bull just boycotted it. He looked at Crofty. He was like, are you even allowed to ask Checo questions? And Checo was just kind of like, Crofty was like, I got special permission. And Sergio's like looking around for his PR person to tell him what to do. He's like, I think I'm good. They're not here. It was so good. Everybody's laughing. Every, like, George is cracking up. Lewis has got this like look on his face like. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Comedy. Megan sent me the video and then like three hours later asked me if I had seen the video and I was like, you you sent it to me, but I was was laughing so hard to myself that I forgot. it. It was so great. Then there was the video or the clip of like there 
I don't exactly know what they were talking about, but Lewis asks when the race is and they tell him it's the penultimate race. And Checo's like, I don't think the champion will make it to the last race. I was like, the partying is going to be amazing. DJ Lando out in full. Like, apparently D- Lewis was out DJing with Diplo. Like maybe they'll all be at different clubs as guest DJs. That's what I envision is going to happen on Sat- Sunday night in Vegas. Saturday night. Post well, race. Saturday night's the race. That'll be oh, I guess it is Vegas. Huh, yeah, time. Vegas. It'll be like yeah. four AM. They have a four AM set. Why not? Cash. I've been to a four AM set more than once. <laughs> but we also had some great, great content of the cars with the neon underlights, which I think needs all the cars need them. It looks like Tron. It's giving Tron. It vibes. does look it's giving Tron. It's also giving cars. The speed racers at the very yes. beginning of the movie. Um, it was also giving, don't hate me for this, but it was giving. Um, Xenon vibes. I wasn't going to say it. I, I I had my metallic silver coat on today and I was looking at the photos and I'm like, this is giving Xenon on the moon vibes. The third one. No, it's so. totally Xenon in the moon vibes. That's what I envision the cars are going to look like when we're racing in space because that'll be here soon. <laughs> so nonetheless it was an awesome awesome launch party i was very like excited it's very clear that f1 has taken hold uh, in america and is like here and is a presence i will say what is very unfortunate about this whole situation is just how expensive it is to purchase tickets in vegas really expensive but then i realized it's really because it's a street track and there's nowhere to place grandstands there's only like four grandstands and ga GA is standing and confined to one area um their map is ridiculous i wrote it down yeah so ga tickets permit access to the msg sphere zone early only excuse me so it's like turns five through nine and it's literally this big rectangle, and that's where you're going to be. And if you're not there early, like, we thought we had to be there early for Canada. We thought we had to be there early for Coda, and we had seats. You're going to be spending all day waiting. And You might as well not leave the track. You might as just well not leave. There. Yeah, just stay. Find your spot Get and a stay cot. there. Bring in a cot. I, the whole thing just seems... Like I'm very happy that there there's a third race in the United States. I think it's very clear that this is an untapped market for Liberty Media and Formula One and Sky Sports and ESPN to really make a lot of money. And Heineken, who's going to be the sponsor, I get it. I I understand why they're doing this. I really am annoyed, but expected nothing else. I I mean, truthfully, I expected not nothing differently than this but it still is frustrating that it prices out again your everyday f1 fans and it is going to be a celebrity millionaires love kind of experience i mean the standing room only ga tickets are 500 dollars, which i was like that's actually pretty inexpensive but you get to stay in one rectangle then Two sets of grandstands have been released in the Amex, like, first wave of tickets. They're between $2,000 and $2,500 each. Each. I will throw this out there. I was kind of shocked by this because 
in my research, I hadn't seen this anywhere else, but the all of the tickets do include all-inclusive food and non-alcoholic beverages. So oh, I'm going to so, need to eat a lot of nachos to make up There's not enough nachos in the GA or in the grandstand section. No, you're going to be, you're going to lose your spot first. Then you're going to be waiting in line for your nachos. And by the time you do that, your nachos are going to be cold. So I will say like, yes, they are ridiculously outpriced. I'm with you, Megan. When I saw $500, I was like, oh, that's not bad. And then I saw it was, you know, only that one section. And I was like, Screw that. But I do, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you are going and you are going GA and you, or you're sitting in the grandstands, like that does lessen the blow like by maybe 0.5%, but still. And then, you know, things get worse when you look at hotels. So there's only a couple of hotels who've actually like released their pricing. Caesars was actually the first chain to publish their rooms for the weekend. Here are two examples, arguably some of the most atrocious ones that, well, they're only the ones out there. So it felt really atrocious with nothing else to compare it to. So a night at the Rio for that weekend in the past has been about $100. So far, it's gone up to $787 and then it jumped again after the release of tickets to $833 a night. Planet Hollywood for that weekend is normally $253, and it is currently at $1,106. Those are prices without taxes and fees, and that is one night. That is not three nights. That is not four nights. That is one singular night. So let me tell you, if you are getting a hotel room, you better hide the fact that six people are going to be staying in it to make it profitable or not profitable, affordable. Affordable. Yeah. The room rates are, there's plenty of articles out there. If you Google Formula One Las Vegas hotels, there's a whole list of who has and who has not published, but the increase percentage is anywhere from 106% to 466% higher prices than usual. So I think had the hotels not been so ridiculous or had I had a friend in Las Vegas that for some odd reason lived on the strip, I would have said, Megan, let's go GA. Let's, let's go experience then. it. Let's. Oh, let's I would just- have said if we had someone who lived in Vegas and we could just get a ride to the thing every day and not have to deal with transportation, I would have said, let's pay the two grand. Who cares? Like at that point, it's two grand plus a flight. And let me tell you, I've flown Frontier there. It's awful, but we'll (laughs) suffer through it. But when you combine the ticket price and the hotel price, for $2,000, I could go, I could recreate Canada. Easily. Easily. And have money left over. Because it's $2,000 before the flights, before the hotel room. If I lived in Vegas, it'd be another story as well. Also, I can't imagine me living in Vegas. Well, and like Airbnbs in Vegas are, um, we were trying to get one for next year, EDC. They are very strict on how many people you can have. Um, Just like in general, Airbnbs in Vegas are not easy to deal with. So 
it's not like there are many other options other than staying forever away from downtown and figuring out how you're going to get there every day. I will say there are some options that aren't on the strip that are still pretty expensive. Like the Red Rock Casino is already at $1,000 per night for that weekend. But ultimately, I think the biggest problem is the fact that hotels like MGM has already come out or it's been reported that they're sweeping up like 20 to $25 million in tickets because their goal is to package them with, with the rooms. And then it would be like a hundred thousand dollars for a package, which if I was rich as shit, that would be an easy way to go to the race. I am not unfortunately rich as shit. Sorry. Fun fact. Did no one figure that out already? And I do want to throw out there that they were not going to have GA at all. The reason why they decided to have GA was because of the widespread complaints about all of the hotels stating their intention of buying ticket blocks and then repackaging them, like Megan said, starting at a hundred thousand. Yeah, up to starting up to a million dollars. I've seen so. It's insane. Really, the only reason we're not going is because it's insane. Had it not been so insane, again, had the hotels not been insane, I would have said, let's do it. But Megan and I came up with a little something fun. We've decided. I I was pondering all, look, all the things that I could purchase instead of $2,500 for my ticket for the weekend. So let's start it out. I can, like I already said, I can read recreate our entire Canadian Grand Prix weekend that would be flights, ticket, meals, and the hotel room for $2,500. And the large amount of merch I purchased from the online sale while we were sitting at the track. So there's that for you. There you go. My first one uh, is two hypoallergenic kittens because – I really want another cat and the intern is allergic to cats, so they have to be hypoallergenic. And specifically, it would be two Bengal kittens, which if you don't know what a Bengal cat is, it's the little ones that look like little baby leopards. So that that was my first pick with what I'll be buying instead of going to Vegas. A used Vespa for me. I found a used Vespa for $2,100. I could Vespa my ass around. I found a bar to watch the race at. That's good. I found us a backyard game that we could play instead of going to the Grand Prix. There is an inflatable life-size twister game that we could purchase for that price instead of going to Vegas. That's funny that you found an inflatable. I found an inflatable bar, like a pub that you inflate in your backyard and you can have like a a pop-up pub, like literally a pop-up pub. I was like, that could be kind of fun. We could go in there and watch the race and have, we could buy it, buy the liquor, buy a TV, get it all out there and have a pop-up pub bar for the race and have it be cheaper than my ticket. I love that. That's a great, that. That's a great find. Okay. I've always wanted one of these, so I added it to the list. But I want a Smeg refrigerator, which, again, if you're not familiar with that, it's like the old retro refrigerators. They're, like, rounded, and they have the little handle. I could get one of those. 
Hey, I'm not going to the Vegas Grand Prix because I got to go pick out a fridge. I'm going to buy my Smeg fridge. Hey, you said, you all you said was come up with some things and I went to my wish list. You could get an entire week out of Mexico all inclusive. An entire week. One whole week on a beach in Mexico for $2,500. How, ma- how many more do you have? Because... I have quite a few, but I don't need to share them all. So I just need okay, to know. Okay, list them off. List them off. What else? What oh. else are you gonna buy for twenty five hundred? Okay, well, um, an iMac and a new Apple Watch. I paired those together, so I could literally buy like a nice, fat, brand new iMac, which I'm using mine right now. But sure, why not have two? And a new Apple Watch. Um, I also, <laughs> I want to save my la- my last one for the end because I think you're really good. Do it. Okay. You could buy 250 packs of IKEA meatballs. They're 10 <laughs> they're 10 bucks it, each. You heard you it here. You heard it here first. Instead of going to the Vegas Grand Prix, we're going to have Swedish IKEA meatballs in the pop-up pub in our backyard instead. Only meatballs. Only, Only meatballs. meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> There's I was just a lot like, of things that you could purchase. Like, truthfully, I mean, I found like an authentic race suit that you could we could have bought on eBay for like eighteen hundred dollars. I don't really know if it's authentic, but it sounds really cool. Yeah, I could have bought so much F one merch, so much signed shit for twenty five hundred dollars, and I think I'm not going to spend the twenty five hundred dollars at all. And I think I'm going to watch on the couch or in our pop up pub. Yeah, I did this. Like, I feel like regular dumb person thing I yeah I just called myself dumb and I just googled I have $2,500 what can I spend it on and every single site told me I should just put it into savings or invest it and I was like that's no fun and then I went to Ikea because I was like there's got to be something cool there that you know I could buy like a I don't know who knows but then I was like no we'll just do packs of meatballs I thought you'd like that one I liked it 250 (laughs) packs of meatballs instead of going to the Grand Prix. Instead of going to the Grand Prix. Another U.S. Grand Prix that you could potentially attend next year is Miami Grand Prix. It will be the second running of the Miami GP. And again, it's going to be expensive because it's Miami. I don't think it is going to be as expensive as Vegas. Um, I think it's going to, again, be pretty celebrity heavy, influencer heavy. But... I am hopeful that this year's experience is going to be better than last year's for those that attended. The fake harbor will still be there, but I do think that with Vegas being like the big draw of next year, Miami might feel a little bit more of like an authentic F1 community, which is what a couple of criticisms I heard of it were like that it didn't feel like true fans were there. And if they were there, they didn't get to have the experience that they wanted. And then we obviously have Austin, which we have raved about, so we won't go into any more details. If you want more details about Austin, we're happy to provide them. Shoot us a DM. We're happy to talk to you about where we stayed, what we did, where we ate, all the things. I would say out of the three races that are in the U.S., this is by far the one that will have the largest community of Formula One fans, 
the there's most a reason ex- it's so called the USGP. It yes. really is the US Grand Prix. Miami and Vegas are their own entities. Yes. And affordable at the end of the day compared to the other two. So the we've also talked a lot about Canada, but one we haven't talked about is Mexico. Um I try I've been trying to buy tickets for Mexico like I look at least once a week, but they literally sell out instantly and it's because of all the gosh darn Checo fans that are living which in I Mexico. I which I love. I love. I literally want to go just to hear Checo. Well, it's not Checo, like you're going for the racing. Checo. It's not like you would want to be there to watch the racing. We saw how boring it was last weekend. So I would be happy. I think truly I want to go there. I want to be in the stadium and I want to recognize that it's not going to be the race of my lifetime, but it's going to be the party of my lifetime. Party of my lifetime. Also, if the tickets sell out that hot, it's got to be good. Like, it's just got to be good. I mean, the racing isn't good, though. It's the, it's uh, the, the racing isn't good, but, like, the experience, like, the environment, the the after parties, the the fans, they're all Checo fans. Like, we ran into some of them in Austin. Like, it's got to awesome be good. People. I love it. Okay, next up is when, like we said this before, uh, the biggest thing is going to be picking your seats, GA versus seats. I think ultimately when you look at the whole string of tracks, especially the five in the United or five in North America, the biggest question is what do you want to see and what don't you want to see and what fan experience you want to have versus what fan experience you don't want to have. So for a flatter track, Miami, Vegas, by the grandstands if you can. I would even say Canada by the grandstands if you can because it is much flatter on the island. There are good GA spots though. So it like sits on the line between the two. The other thing is in street tracks, you're obviously just not going to be able to see as much as you would and there's just less space naturally. That's why all of the GA in Vegas is in one square. So again, another kind of big consideration between the two is what am I going to see? How hard am I going to have to work to get a good spot in GA? There is the other alternative for GA in, I know this from being at Coda and Canada. If you are GA and you're like, look, I missed out on the excellent spot to watch the race from alongside the track, but I want to sit in the fan experience and environment. You can always sit in one of the like festival areas, like the Heineken zone or the beach in Montreal, or you could have sat in a couple of the fan experience areas in Coda and watch the race surrounded by fans, like at the track, but not like sitting and watching the actual track. So there are a couple of, again, opportunities there. All right, let's wrap it up with talking about what to pack. This is the most important part. This is the most important part. And well, I guess the tickets are the most important part, but really knowing what you need to bring is vital. And this is the hardest. This was the hardest part for Katie and I to decide when going to the Grand Prix is what do we need to have with us? Because again, you're at the track all day. All day. Um, So I like to say comfy yet cute clothes, and that goes for both men and women. Men, you can be cute, and non-binary, everyone can be cute. Sorry, but you can. You want to be able to be in these outfits all day. I'm talking the moment you wake up to the moment after you eat dinner. You want to be comfortable. You also want to be confident 
And you want to be a little cute. I think it's important to, you know, look a little, not, I'm not saying put your dress slacks on, but I'm saying throw a dress on on Sunday if you're comfortable wearing a dress or wear your nice polo, your nice new Mercedes polo that you bought on Friday to wear on Sunday. Dress up, enjoy it. It's part of it. Look comfy, look cute, enjoy it. Um, Biggest thing, we learned this the hard way in Canada as we were hair dryering our wet shoes. Bring at least two shoe options. They can both be tennis shoes. You can wear sandals if that's in your heart of hearts that you want to do that. Or you can throw on some cowboy boots like I did, but just bring two pairs. It's A, a lot of walking no matter if you're sitting or GA, and B, you might get soaked on Saturday and be wearing wet shoes on Sunday. Really, I think the biggest thing is being willing and able to wear the outfit all day. Don't wear anything to the track. If you are uncomfortable within five minutes of putting on that outfit, take it off and change. Like You will be miserable all day at the track. It is more important to be comfortable above all else. And with that comes if it is going to get windy, bring a jacket. If it is going to rain, bring a poncho or a jacket or throw in an extra pair of socks in there. Bring a hat, bring a hat, bring a hat, bring sunscreen, bring like chapstick, bring band-aids if you're wearing any sort of shoe. So everyone should have band-aids. I gave away so many band-aids at the Circuit of the Americas because people had blisters. Pack a snack, pack a portable charger. If you are GA, pack a tarp, pack your chairs, pack a snack, pack a reusable water bottle. Like all of these things are vital. If you like think about what you enjoy at a baseball game and realize how much you're spending during like an average sporting event and multiply it by like three for one day because you are there. It's not like you can leave and come back half after lunch. Doesn't work like that. Other random things that we just wanted to note. Um, the one thing that we did do that we did a really good job of was figuring out how long it was going to take us to get to the track, figuring out what time we needed to leave, telling the wonderful men in our life to be ready 20 minutes ahead of when we actually needed to leave. I'm talking about our father and our one of our interns. It's good to at least know when you're leaving, how long it's going to take you, and maybe an alternative route if needed. Other random things, treat Friday as a walking day on track. Enjoy enjoy everything that the track has to offer. Check out the different viewing points. We did the viewing tower at Coda, which was great. Get to know where your seats are. Get to know how to get on the track to storm the track. Make sure you storm the track, even if your father has to hold up a fence and you have to climb under it. Make sure you storm the Do track. The damn thing. Go to the fan zone. And then I don't know if we just completely missed these in Canada or I don't think they I don't, were in Canada. I don't think they had them because I think Megan and I would have definitely not have missed them. Go to the F1 outlet. Go to the F1 outlets. And I'm not talking about going to one of them. Pop into all all four of them or all however many of them are because Megan and I scooped up some amazing, incredible, wonderful, beautiful retro merch for hella cheap. Like 
it was $25 a shirt and which is like the cheapest F1 shit I have. Yeah. I so I also recommend when we're talking about merch is like there is merch to buy at the track and do that with do with that information what you will. But I would recommend ordering merch and bringing it with you because it's cheaper online, but also there's a little bit more flexibility in sizes. They have a lot of sizes, but by Sunday, like a lot of the like smalls and mediums and larges are gone. I just say bring it, have it ready, bring a Sharpie in case you run into a driver. You never know you're gonna, where you're going to see one um, and get something signed or if you're going to run into Yost and have them to add squeezes balls to a hat you know you never know never know never know who you're gonna run into never never know so with all of that said katie and i are planning on and looking to next year we are fully committed to canada and austin again and silverstone it's happening it is happening so silverstone is a dream track of mine I'm going to force Katie to go. It's not like it's going to be that hard to force her to go. She's not forcing me. We are very, very, very excited. I'm very excited to be back in London. It's going to be, we're going to do the damn thing. I don't even care. I, we're doing the damn thing. It'll be cheaper than Vegas and Miami, so it's fine. Yeah, and if I can swing it, a.k.a. if I can convince Megan and if we can get off work for that long – we might just hit Austria the weekend before, so. We'll see what we can we'll do. S- we'll see what we can concoct. But last couple of things before we talk about what's coming up next is when you're at the race, when you're at wherever it is watching a race in the community, in the Formula One community, be a good human. Be nice. Be kind. Respect the sport. Respect the drivers. Respect the teams. And get yourself to a goddamn race if you can. This weekend is the Sao Paulo Grand Prix Sprint Weekend for our third and final sprint of the 2022 season and our second to last race of the year. <gasps> Thank gosh, I can't do it any longer. But also, I'm so sad that it's almost (laughs) over. The emotions are so conflicting. This weekend, we are in Brazil, and the race is taking place at the Autodroma Jose Carlos Pace. It's more commonly referred to Interlagos because (laughs) it's between lakes. Interlagos, (laughs) get it? Picking up what I'm putting down? This race weekend is set to take place in spite of the rising political tensions that have caused some disruptions to team and their staff's ability to get to track. So we will definitely hear lots about the ongoing political unrest in Brazil as we get closer into the weekend and probably throughout the weekend. Just a reminder that it is a sprint weekend, so the schedule is a little different. So set your calendars accordingly because Friday will feature FP1 and qualifying. Saturday will feature FP2 and the sprint ahead of Sunday's Grand Prix, which for us will be at noon. We got to love a race that's in the middle of the day. (laughs) As of now, the forecast is calling for rain on basically all of the sessions. So everyone needs to fingers crossed and hope for the best because I refuse to have this weekend be rained out. 
Last year was dominated by Sir Lewis Hamilton's race through the field in both the sprint and the Grand Prix. I have my fingers crossed for no rain and a finally a one-off winner for the season. And could that just be the man himself? I hope so. <laughs> so join us next week as we recap the entire weekend and talk about the fact that Katie and I are going to get to watch the race together. Until then, stay dirty, bitches. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.